Welcome back to part two of episode 422 with my guest, Ken Stacy. I do hope that you listened last week to part one. Just to reset, Ken is a vocalist, songwriter, guitar player, producer, vocal arranger, artist mentor, and vocal coach, and he shared absolute gold on part one. So please make sure that you listened to part one of this interview, and Ken and I are going to continue along now with the rest of it. I want to can get into the work that you do as a vocal producer and arranger. There's a number of artists that you've done that with. Talk about what that looks like and maybe a couple of the folks that you've done that for. Sure, sure. Well, thank you. And and again, thank you for uh, creating the second episode here, splitting the episode. I really appreciate it very much, Bruce. And Absolutely. Uh, again, it's an honor to be here with you. Um, so yeah, vocal producing arranging has been something I've done for years. Um, I I love it. There's something about it that, you know, you think of, um, say, a painter who loves to sit in front of a canvas and grab the colors and just start creating an image, mm. shaping something out of nothing. And there's something about that with vocal arranging that I just, it really moves me and it really feeds my soul. So, I mean, I've been doing it for years, many years ago, um, when I was first songwriting, um, like, oh gosh, back in, um, about 2004 and on, I was married to a singer back then, Wendy Wagner, fabulous singer very talented songwriter in her own right and amazing singer and very accomplished. Um, we were married and we're also creative partners. So we were partnering with other successful songwriters and we were producing artists. We were writing and invariably it would fall on me to arrange, you know, uh, background. Sometimes it would be windy on her own stuff things she was working on, but a lot of the other things I would do, uh, certainly on all my own stuff that I was doing, I had a self-produced record back then as well um, called I Will Still Be Me that is out there. And the other people were working with in different projects that, projects that would come through. And I just loved it. There was something about hearing the canvas that was created by the music bed and then finding the right tension, finding the right emotional tension by the, by the sonic colors you chose in the back in the backgrounds things that you could say things that you could repeat things that you could create that weren't being that weren't there yet you know aside from the lead vocal so as the years progressed and i continue to move on after we split up and i continue to move on on my own um this is just something that i continue to do and i got an amazing experience working with the extraordinary um, maestro Humberto Gatica, who, look him up. (laughs) (laughs) You're talking a producer on the Who's Who. He and David Foster have been partners, creative partners for years on Michael Bublé (laughs) and Michael Jackson. Um, I don't even need to go down his credit list. Just look him up, Humberto Gatica. Well, I got to sing for Humberto quite a bit over the years, session singer. He also would bring me in as a vocal contractor and he would at times have me assist in creating arrangements with him when we'd have the singers in the booth and I got to watch him work and you talk about a genius a lot of it is about leaving space and creating something with as little as possible 
making the statement in a profound and yet as simple way as you can. And oh my God, I learned so much watching him and and uh, was given the opportunity. He was producing a track for Celine Dion that he was pitching for a record. I don't know if it'll ever come out on the record or not or make a record for her, but I got to do vocal arranging on that for Celine mm. and also for um, Kelly Clarkson. That did go out. That was uh, something we did for the song Silent Night, and it was mm. a special about the origins of Silent Night and how it, and, and how it came out through World War One. It's pretty, when you look at the story of it, it's pretty staggering. I had no idea. So Kelly sang it in this special that, that Humberto was involved in. And once again, he enlisted me to uh, put together a vocal section and then as well help him on vocal arranging for that. So it's working with with him several quite a few years after leaving the Elton John band. Elton was um, working on a new musical um, which I'm praying one day makes the light of day because it's incredible. <laughs> He's always working on so many things, and uh, Davey recommended to him that I do the vocal arranging on it and mm. the vocal contracting and sing on it, and I did, and I got to vocal arrange and contract and sing um, on God, how many songs? We did a lot of songs for it over at the village in Santa Monica while he was in the other part of the room um, working with T-Bone Burnett on a record at that time that he was doing. Mm. So he'd come in and check on us, and then he'd go back to work over there. Amazing. That was just, oh, my God, what an extraordinary um, experience that was. Matt still, sweetheart, man, extraordinary producer, was there with The Lion King and a million other records and a million other projects with Elton, just an incredible producer. So I got to work with him on the project as well. And um, then through the years, I've, I've, you know, worked with independent artists. And um, most recently, I partnered up a few years back with a very dear friend of mine and a, an amazing musician. His name is Doug Petty. He works with Tears for Fears. He's their keyboard player. I mm. believe he's, he was their MD for a long time. Um, and he's just extraordinary. So I, he and I are a production team. And so, you know, I will often, when I work with my clients as a vocal coach, um, sometimes it slips into a very good fit also as a producer, and they're looking for a producer or a producing team, and I'll bring Doug in with me. And then uh. what I'll do is I'll let Doug really focus on the music side of things, and I focus on the music arrangement, the vocal recording, producing, and, and, and coaching and all that stuff. Okay. So we've done a few independent artists together, and um, Anastasia, Anastasia Lynn uh, is she's going by Anastasia Lynn, and um, she we produced a record for her that just came out, finally came out, called uh, "Girl with the Hourglass Eyes," and we're so proud of this record. She is such an incredible artist, and I know that's one of the songs you're going to play tonight. Uh, the first song that you're playing or played in the first episode was my song. I wanted to play Anastasia's record because it's such a tremendously stunning piece of work on every level. Um, the musicians Doug played on it and, and produced the music side of things exquisitely. I handled all the vocal arranging and recording Anastasia and coaching her and producing, and we did that here at my studio. 
and um, it just came out so beautiful. And so there's a very, very highly respected podcast um, called Indie Musicast, and they specialize in focusing on independent artists. But independent artists could be Toto. I mean, Toto, you know, mm. a lot of bands like that, they're not getting major normal record deals anymore because the record industry, you know, has changed so much. So mm -hmm. you have a lot of bands and artists that continue to be prolific and put out records, but they're doing it independently. So, you know, when you look at their roster of records that they that they review every year, it's pretty, it's highly uh, highly respectable art and great music and just extraordinary artists. So about a month ago, a dear friend of mine, Scott Gross, who is one of their contributing writers um, and reviewers, I've been telling him about Anastasia's record forever. <laughs> and he, he says, oh, I'll be happy to review it when, it when it's finally done. She, you know, for a variety of reasons, it took some time, but she was finally able to put the put everything together and get some CDs, and I sent one to him. And he got it, <laughs> and he responded back, like, basically with his jaw dropped. And he wow. said, you could have told me how unbelievable this record was. Wow. And he ended up sharing it with other people at Indie Music Cast, and they all flipped over it equally. <laughs> and each one of the contributors gets to select their album of the year. And her and Scott selected Anastasia's mm. album of the year. Fantastic. So this is her first, yeah, and she's been getting a lot of great reviews overseas. I've got a contact overseas that I connected her with to start getting her spins there and getting her um, reviews, and everything just continues to come back golden. Um, so I'm excited for, for your listeners to hear it when you do play the song. Um, she is an old soul in in a 20-some-year-old's body and a gifted, <laughs> gifted, gifted musician and a voice. The first time I heard her voice as a vocal coach, I was just, you could listen to her voice all day long. It's one of those voices. There's something so sonically caressing and beautiful and and soothing and powerful and and deep. And it's just amazing, amazing. So yeah, that's she's we've uh, we got her record out there. So we're now we're working on getting her more opportunities. And then um, I'm currently working with an artist named Claire Kodara, and Claire actually was on American Idol in season nine, hmm. and then she stepped away and she's done so much prior to that. And she sang at the Vatican wow. many times and did all yeah major wow and did all kinds of incredible things very trained, gifted vocalist. And then she stepped away and had a family. Mm. Um, but, you know, when you hear what we're doing, when it gets out there, you'll understand that she had to come back to it. <laughs> and we're doing uh, a two-record series right now where she is rebranding what it means to, to uh, what a lullaby means. And, and I'll say no more than that. It's stunning. Again, Doug brought Doug Petty in on this, and she brought some other wonderful musicians on this. And I'm this is actually one that I'm uh, I'm the overseeing producer on this. Okay. Um, so we're still working on cutting all her vocals. 
um, on these first probably about 18 tracks. Wow. Um, and it'll be a two-part series. Um, wow. You know, uh, collection one and collection two. And it's going to be beautiful. And we're, some of the proceeds are going to go to organizations like Autism Speaks. Uh, and it's she, her voice is extraordinary. Wonderful. It's just extraordinary. Um, so, again, a gifted, gifted artist, gifted vocalist. And she is allowing me to direct her and arrange and produce her here and um, and help her find her voice. She's always been an extraordinary singer, mm. but I think she spent so much time sounding like maybe other people uh. that when we started working together for her as a coach, it's like, wow, you have got a mind-boggling instrument, but mm. let's discover who you are. I love it. And one thing led to another, and here I am producing this record wow. with her. Wow! And um, and we're 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 going to be doing a lot more together. She's Fantastic. amazing, Fantastic. an amazing business person and human being. So yeah. And for the audience, keep in mind that everything that you just heard Ken describe was based on me asking him to talk about the work that he does as a vocal producer and arranger. And where I'm going with this is everything you just heard him describe might as well constitute what sounds like might as well constitute a full-time job. And so many times on this show, we talk about the fact that it's a new economy and nobody in the music business is just doing one thing. And so if you missed part one, I hope you go back and listen to it. But this is the same guy who in part one of this interview last week talked about being in the Michael Jackson This Is It band, talked about being in the Elton John band, talked about performing with supergroup Ambrosia, for many, many years, and yet so many other hats that he's wearing. And this is the lesson that if you're aspiring to just be a performer only, you really need to start taking the blinders off and realizing there's so many other things that you can do around that. And Ken's going to continue to talk about that. In fact, I teased this in the first part of the interview last week, but there's a very recognizable name. And actually, before I go on with that, I want to back up. There's a name that Ken mentioned, Wendy Wagner. He said that he was married to her, and he talked about the work they did together. She was on this show twice. I will put links to her interviews on the show page for this part two of episode 422 on nhte.net, so you can go back and listen to the conversations that I had with Wendy, and you can hear about the type of work that she does. There's a very recognizable name that the audience is going to be interested, Ken, to hear that you are coaching these days. And here's another past episode reference. This person's name actually came up eight weeks ago, technically nine, because this is a two-part episode that you and I are doing. Episode 414 with Carly Joe Jackson. And for that matter, even back on episode 409 with Chad Jeffers, who I mentioned in part one of this interview is Carrie Underwood's guitar player, he told a hysterical story. Tell the audience who I'm referring to that you're coaching these days that everybody knows. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. I love it, Bruce. Um, so back in November of 2020, I can't believe it's been that long now, um, hmm. I was recommended by a couple of different people, one of them, Sean Holtz, who this person absolutely has worked with and absolutely adores. And Sean is a brilliant musician and composer, and he's now the vice dean of the popular music program at USC. Wow. Anyways, he and some other people recommended me to none other than Kenny Loggins. 
um, to Kenny was wanting to get tuned up and ready to go back onto the road because of the pandemic. He hadn't been working for a while. Uh, Kenny's in his 70s now, um, so he really wanted to get get things back in shape. And that's when I started working with him. And um, it has been a life-changing experience. Mm, I've now worked with him for over a year. I've worked with him for what now, a year and four months? (laughs) Every time I'm there, there is unquestionably some moment at which inside I'm looking at Kenny going, this is freaking Kenny Loggins. (laughs) (laughs) Ken, you are coaching Kenny Loggins. You are here. Talking to Kenny Loggins, you're hand, hanging out with Kenny freaking Loggins, and it's pretty remarkable because as a vocalist, you know, I certainly and as a sport certainly built the way I am as a singer and the way Kenny is. You know, it's 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 not as far a stretch to imagine that earlier in my career I was singing Kenny Loggins tunes. Of course yeah. I would. Yeah, and so I learned a great deal from singing and studying Kenny's material and being just an extraordinary fan of him as a singer, as a songwriter, as an arranger. Um, What an artist, my God. It's been an extraordinary experience. He is, uh, he's just a really genuine, beautiful, open-hearted human being who I admire so much because when I was with Ambrosia, I got to, and I want to be sensitive about this, so I won't mention names, but Mm -hmm. we packaged up with a whole bunch of different artists over the years to do packages like Ambrosia and Friends. And I have to say that there were some artists, not all, uh, Peter Beckett, this doesn't go out to you, you still sing your ass off. (laughs) (laughs) But there were some. Uh, where I was so excited. It's like, oh, my God, so-and-so, but we're going to work it. And then it would be like, well, Ken, you're going to have to double them, and you're going to have to take this part. And, you're mm. gonna have to. and I was so disappointed. Yeah, Still love them. Each and every one of these individuals, every, yeah. everyone I met, uh, you know, the history of their artistry, it, that isn't diminished. But it takes a lot. For somebody who has been successful for decades, who could just sit back on their laurels and phone it in and even do the gig slightly intoxicated, (laughs) and it just doesn't matter. It matters to Kenny. It matters to Kenny. He's now 73 years old. I've never seen... he, He works so hard and he is so dedicated and he is so determined to be the best version of Kenny today as he was 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years ago. Mm. And th- given where he's at this stage in his life and all the demands, and he's just finishing a book, and there's so many things going on in his life and his kids and his relationship and everything, that he continues to make time. Let me tell you something, folks. To really sing at the level we want to sing at as professionals, this is not this. And at the level of a Kenny Loggins, Michael Jackson, Michael McDonald, Michael, it requires so much hard work. People have said when they find out I'm working with Kenny, they go, "Why would Kenny Loggins need a vocal coach? 
Well, I would say to them, why does uh, Federer still need a tennis coach? That's right. That's right. right. You read my mind. How many grand slams? Yeah, how many grand slams has the guy won? Well, the reason he's won them because his vocal coaches at every game, and because after every game, I mean, his vocal coach, his tennis coach, and after every game, he's back on the court working it out with his with his coach. Yep. And that's what makes him Federer, and that's what makes Kenny Kenny. But at this stage in his life, the respect I have from the mad respect is the amount of hard ass work, and he doesn't have to do this. He wants to do this. That's right. Because he has such a, 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 an affinity and a dedication. He honors. He honors the gift. He honors his audience. He wants to to bring the very best version of himself to his audience every single time. And when we get older and we're in our 70s and our bodies are changing and, and our voices are, are changing and all these things, oh, my God, it is, it's really hard work. He works his ass off, and he meets with me, and then he works with his trainer, and then he's off playing pickleball for hours, and then he's <laughs> writing his book, and then he's doing this, and he's showing up for that, and then he's going, <laughs> and it's just like, when this guy get the rest? I have so much respect for him, not to just mention that he's just a, a fabulously wonderful human being. Um, so it's been an incredible journey. And I'm thrilled for him. He's getting ready. He and Jimmy Messina are going to be at this uh, at the bowl. Ah. And they've got a bunch of, I think they've got about 10 dates coming up. Wow. Uh, so that's going to be incredible. And then he's got probably another 20 or 30 dates this year mm. uh, doing his own shows. Fantastic. Um, and I'm thrilled. And I'm thrilled for people to hear him because let me tell you folks, oh, my God. Wait till you hear this man singing Oh dear Lord! The sound—he—he's worked—he's worked so hard. His voice is so beautiful, and like I said, every time I'm sitting there, I have to sometimes catch <laughs> myself and pinch myself and go, "Holy shit!" <laughs> so beautiful honor, um, and that's leading into working with some other really fabulous. Um, artists. There's another one that I we're just starting to work with. I'm just starting to work with that that is in the Kenny sphere, and and I don't I can't share his name at this time because yep. he has not allowed me permission. I haven't asked him. Yeah. And I'm always that's one of the things, uh, folks out there. When you're working with icons like Kenny, you do not screw the pooch. You do not <laughs> jump. You know you don't jump out of line. You you have to be very respectful and very you got to honor the relationship. It took me probably a good four to five months of working with Kenny before I even asked him, "Would you mind if I let people know officially that I'm working mm -hmm. with you?" And he was like, "Well, of course, but <laughs> thank you for asking." That's right. That's because right. people are constantly looking to grab on other people's coattails. And, of course, I want people to know I'm working with Kenny. Yeah. So like one of the biggest feathers in my cap in my career is a vocal coach. But, you know, I respect his privacy. I, I respect him as a, as a man, as a, you know, as a professional. And um, so I, I wanted to be very thoughtful uh, with that. And, you know, he's... He's he's just wonderful. So that's been going incredibly well. Um, yeah, outstanding, outstanding. And folks, 
on part one of this interview, Ken had some terrific teaching moments, and there's another one here. Ken, if we can shift gears and talk about the role you had as an American Idol first-line judge relative to helping listeners who are aspiring performers insofar as maybe what in that role you used to listen and watch for, good and bad? Yes, absolutely. Um, and then I'm going to circle this back with, uh, there was an anecdote I had about Kenny that I forgot, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share it with you in a moment. So, yeah, when I started with American Idol, um, which is season 10, um, again, my dear friend Dorian Hawley, mm. he and the band were moving on to The Tonight Show, and uh, they needed he needed to replace himself on the show on Idol, so he recommended me. Bless your heart, my dear, dear friend. So I was there for a couple of seasons. It was quite an interesting experience. And in working with the, with the kids, with the kids, yeah. Because <laughs> um, they are, to me, they're kids. It is a fascinating experience. In these shows, obviously, it's become a massive industry. Massive, massively successful industry into an, uh, in and of its own. Sure. And there have been singers who have gone on, like Kelly, like Carrie, and have had incredible careers, incredible careers, number one hits, and have gone on to really make their mark as their own as artists. That said, a vast, 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 vast majority of these singers, when they leave that show, will never be heard from again. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I used to tell this, these kids on the show all the time, because one of my jobs was to do good vocal arrangements for the mashups, for the vote off night when uh. they'd mash a couple tunes up and the kids would come out and they'd perform and dance and all that stuff. Okay. So um, the producers would, Ken Warwick and um, Nigel, who came back in after I, I started, they would reach out to me and say, Ken, uh, can you put together a vocal arrangement? Da, da, da. And sure. So, and then they'd want me to teach it to them. So I would have to go work with the kids at the mansion and teach them all their parts and show them what they're going to do. And da, 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 da. Mm -hmm. And I would just watch this transformation happen where you had a bunch of young singers of, you know, varying talent, various levels of talent and experience. Most of it, almost none being plucked out of pretty much obscurity, thrust into the world, and suddenly becoming pseudo-stars and believing it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and I used to say to them, you know, uh, you got to get over yourselves. You haven't been in a van slogging it out for the last five years, 10 wow. years, you know, showing up to, to, to the demands of your record label. and wow. you're trying, you know. It's like, guys, you're getting shit sent to you every day. You're getting computers, guitars, basses, all this stuff. So quite frankly, you don't really deserve it. But good for you. But here's the deal. When this is all said and done, if you don't pay attention, if you don't pull your head out of the out of the sky and stop think acting like you are Elton John or you are, you know, one of these superstars that uh -huh. really earned it, um, you better start paying attention and listening. And, and using this as school. Watch how the MD runs the show. Watch how the band members, you know, how the band members in the band communicate together. Mm. Watch how the choreographers communicate with, with production and the stage managers. Wow. Watch, how, watch how the producers, watch how the judges, in other words, shut up and listen. 
Because when this is all said and done, if you have any chance of having any kind of career, you could come out of this with some tremendous knowledge mm. that could then carry over into you building your own legitimate career. So, you know, if you ever do end up, if you're somebody out there that ever ends up in one of these shows, I cannot emphasize enough to stay humble, to stay teachable, to keep your feet on the ground. Don't buy into any of the BS hype because I'm sorry you haven't earned it. You're, you're a cast member on a show that come, you might as well be working at Disneyland. Mm. You know, you were plucked out of obscurity to fill a casting role, and next season it'll be somebody else. Yeah. And it, the show is not about you. It's about keeping the show going. Well said. So here's a little anecdote that I think is really germane and very important. In season 10, my first season, I and one of the other line producers – they, they would partner the vocal coaches up with the line producers. And she and I ended up having Scotty McCreary come in front of us. Ah. Out of the myriads of thousands of kids that were wherever we were auditioning that day. And he comes up and we look at him and he looks, you know, he's this tall drink of water and he looks like a, a, a you know, baseball player and he doesn't, and he's got this kind of big baritone voice, which, <laughs> you know, he had a lot, he had some natural talent, but he hadn't fully developed it yet. He's not the Scotty McCreary everybody knows today. Mm-hmm. But we looked at him and we saw something and we thought this is really fascinating. And mm-hmm. yes, let's, we, we put him through. Mm-hmm. N- knowing, uh, I can tell you, I didn't. I did not think for a minute this was going to be that season's winner. Mm. But let me tell you about Scotty. In the beginning of the season, they do all that stuff where they pair all the kids up and they make them have to choose their own partners in, in groups of three and all this stuff. And they do that for a reason. They want conflict. They want human beings to act like human beings. And trust mm. me, you put a bunch of would-be, you know, st- <laughs> you know, wannabe stars singing stars together, uh, and some shit's going to go down. And so he and a couple of other guys put together a group, and there was this other kid. They had a very sweet kid. I can't remember his name. Name had a very nice voice, but you know, it was a little, you know, a little larger in frame and and didn't look all rock and roll. And they didn't want him in his group. And it destroyed him. Mm. And when Scotty saw the impact that it had on this kid, he cried. Wow. But I've always told people those were not tears. Those were not crocodile tears. I know Scotty. I'd had a chance to meet him and get to know his family. And I worked a lot with him over the course of that season, especially in the beginning. And I got to know his mom and his dad. They are such beautiful human beings. And they have... There's, they were such good uh, stewards for him because he was a minor, mm. um, one of the youngest people I've on the show. So mom was always there. And they had instilled some really strong values in him. But you put anybody under that circumstance, and you're not always going to act from your best self. Sure. But when he saw his behavior and saw the way it impacted this kid, he had a breakdown in front of the camera and it was so genuine and so real and so honest that people saw that honesty that created goodwill for him. That Mm. was the beginning of Scotty building his audience. Mm. Now, as the show continued to go on, Scotty was the most teachable. He regrouped himself, realized, listen, I got to stay true to me. I got, I'm not going to go down that path anymore. I'm not going to become that person. Mm-hmm. And when the producers would tell him, we want you to sing this kind of song, he'd say no. Wow. 
he'd say, no, I won't. He, this song does not go with my values. Hmm. It's not who I see myself as an artist. I won't do it. He had the courage to do that. He could have been, he could have been voted off. He could have been, you know, there could have been a variety of reasons why he didn't make it. He could have been a puppet. He could have been yeah. a puppet. Yeah. But he stayed true to who he was. He listened to what I and the other coaches had to say. He listened to the direction. He got, He kept every single week. He got better and better and better. And when other contestants were peeking out, he wasn't. And because he had built that connection with the audience every time he performed he looked right into that camera he performed from an authentic place mm. he didn't try to be anything he wasn't he was true to himself you could feel his authenticity he was vulnerable oh my god well he ended up winning and he was not the best singer on that show <laughs> the best singer on that show got got voted off about week five mm. so you know lesson learned you know, yeah, the lesson learned goes back to what you said in the first part of this interview, which is, yeah, of course, there has to be talent. However, there's something much bigger at play here, which is the intangibles, the whole package. Of course, there has to be talent, but it's not solely talent. It's not. And you don't have to be the best singer in the room to get the record deal. And that's obvious. There have been a lot of people who have, are not the best singer in the room. But at the end of the day, you know, he's gone on to develop and have a beautiful career. And he has a beautiful, beautiful voice. And, you know, it's, I, I'm so proud of him and so proud to have had the chance to know him and have the opportunity to give him that opportunity. Uh, in the very first place yeah. and to work with him and meet his family and to see his journey. And and those couple of seasons on Idol allowed me to see the very best and the very worst of people. <laughs> and, you know, you got to recognize again, folks, it, it's kind of low-hanging fruit in a lot of ways. If you want to go on one of those shows, that's fine. Just remember, it is not about you. I as a, I was a first-line judge. I was also a talent scout, um, and I brought a lot of talent to them. And one of my people that I brought actually made it to top 12. Mm. So, But I brought them some incredible singers that never got on the show. Yeah, that's right. Like you said before, they're just casting. Yeah, if it was purely a singing contest it would look completely different. They're casting. They're, it's a show. They're having to look at the temperament of the audience and the changing times and what's going That's on right. in the record business That's and, right. and, and a whole variety of things Absolutely. Uh, that impact the decisions and how they cast, Absolutely. which is fine. That's the nature of the business. But you've got to know that going in if you're going to be a contestant. There it is. You're a contestant. <laughs> well, there's something that comes into play with all of this that, that I want to ask you about, but I also want to give you an opportunity. You said you had a Kenny Loggins anecdote that you wanted to fill in. So let's get that, and then I want to circle back around to where we left off with American Idol. Sure, sure. So my anecdote is this. Kenny had been working his butt off, and last year he played at the Starlight Bowl up in Burbank. And he had only done one or two smaller gigs before then to get warmed back up. He came out there, and um place was packed. He 
knocked it out of the park. Mm. And he saved his song forever yeah. for the end, which has got that big, yeah. big note at yeah. the end. Oh, my God. He hit that note so straight on, so powerful, held it forever, so beautiful. So after the show, not only that, but Kenny's a consummate creative. So he doesn't just rest on his laurels. When he put the band together for the, for touring again, he didn't just say, well, let's just do it the way we did it before. He's constantly reworking arrangements, mm. breathing new vitality into things. Oh, I want to modernize that feel a little bit. I want to... So he's got that going on. Well, there's a producer named C.J. Vanston. Yeah. Look him up. He is world-renowned, phenomenal, extraordinary. His client list goes on forever. Oh, yeah. He's remarkable. Well, he and Kenny are very close friends, and they've written together, and, and, and so CJ was there that night. And we were backstage after the show, hanging out by the, the, the outer door of the back area, and we're talking, and a few people were coming up to say hi to Kenny and some fans, and we're sitting there talking, and out of the blue comes up CJ, and you should have looked at the, the look on his face. <laughs> Was and it was so beautiful and so pure and he was just like Kenny, oh my God, the arrangements, your voice, the way you think. So I wanted to share that yeah. because I'm just thrilled. I'm just thrilled. I'm just absolutely thrilled that Kenny is having this experience at this time in his life and at this time in his career and and working so hard for it and that i'm so blessed to be a part of that journey it's interesting that you're talking about him so much i mean i'm in the same boat as you in that if i was interviewing him on the show if i was sitting with him in the same room i would be sitting there thinking like you this is kenny loggins what business do i have being in the same conversation in the same room whatever and so i've followed him for years and years and years i've been a fan of his forever and forever is one of the very first Kenny Loggins songs that comes to my mind when his name comes up. And I actually saw a video on YouTube, which was one of those specials where David Foster just brings out anybody and everybody, and he brought out Kenny, and Kenny did forever. And right away, I was drawn to, ooh, a different arrangement. And so I'm learning from you that that was probably Kenny that did that because I was ready to give credit to David Foster and say, oh, this is probably David doing a different arrangement for David Foster reasons. Uh, And so that's interesting perspective, and it's great to hear about the night that Kenny had with it then and it's great to hear that he's about to go back out and do more shows because we're all going to be better for it I want to go back around to where we were with American Idol because you and I had a phone conversation recently now folks think about that American Idol scene that Ken painted for us and these young boys these young girls these young men these young women whatever you want to refer to them as they're dealing with all the things that you're hearing Ken talk about and you know that they're also dealing with nerves the size of Mount Everest. So Ken, you and I had a phone conversation recently where we were talking about performers battling with stage fright. And I know this is something you work on in the services that you offer to artists who you work one-on-one with. So I'm certainly not asking you to give away the farm here, but if you could just kind of talk about what you shared with me when we talked on the phone and how stage fright actually ties into someone's why. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so many times as we had in that conversation, so many times there's so much emphasis is placed on the how, the how, how do I sing that note? How do I get that gig? How do other very seldom as ever does anybody really spend much time asking why, 
Why do I want to do this? Why should I do this? Why? What is the purpose? What is the why to what I'm doing? And as we shared in that conversation, I spent a huge part of my career focusing on the how. And, you know, I have to say, you know, thank the heavens, the universe above. Uh, I was blessed with a lot of opportunity and a lot of great experiences that have been extraordinary. They've been amazing. But I will tell you that because I was so focused on, on the how, I personally missed a lot of what you said earlier, that term intangible. There are certain experiences that we have that come from being present and, and come from understanding why we are where we're at at the moment we're at with whatever we're doing. So in this instance, what I found in my own experience and experience with my clients is that what is stage fright? Well, stage fright really has to do with our ego, mm. right? The ego is I'm going to get in front of an audience and I will in some way, shape or form be rejected. Mm. I'll be found out. I won't sing well enough. Wow. Um, something will happen. My voice will crack. I'll embarrass myself. That's all about the ego. That's all about I want you to tell me that I'm great. I want you to validate me. Mm-hmm. That's a very precarious place to be, and there are plenty of artists that have gone on to be phenomenal successes that spent their entire career in that mode. And they are they tend to not be very happy people. Mm. They tend to be very difficult to work with. They're fragile. Their performances can be very precarious. And they're not only that, but they're robbing themselves of an experience. Mm. And, and so... During the course of my career, after kind of going through this again and again and again for years and years, I reached a point of maturity within myself where I began to say to myself, Ken, is, is this all it's about? Is, all of this, is, is this just about you getting in front of people and singing so that you can knock them out? Wow. Is that what it is? Wow. Because there's always going to be somebody that doesn't get you. There's always going to be somebody looking down at their cell phone or yawning. <laughs> There's always going to be nights when you're exhausted and not going to perform at the level you think you're supposed to. You're not a machine. There's going to be a million variables because, folks, I'll tell you something. When you're on tour, there's probably going to be two to three nights in the entire tour that you're rested and your voice goes mm. great. The rest of the time, it's going to be triage. Wow. The rest of the time, it's going to be, holy shit, hang on for this. <laughs> and, and that's when you're going to want to have... That's when you want to have a real strong understanding of the how-to so you can get through the mm -hmm. fatigue and keep your voice healthy and stay on mm -hmm. target. But that said, if you want to get through your stage fright, you got to get away from worrying about you. And we said it earlier in the, about this, about being in service. Right. What I discovered is the minute I started asking why and discovering what is my purpose in all this, it changed everything. It changed the way I performed. For instance, I'll give you an example. <clears throat> when I discovered this, when I was in Ambrosia, I shifted to my why, and I began to investigate that, and I discovered what that was. And part of what I would do is when I would perform, I would take the stage, and I would not take the stage from a place of, okay, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to knock everybody out. I would take the stage with this purpose. I'm going to stand in that light. 
I'm going to open up my mouth. I'm going to sing. I'm going to connect. I'm going to intentionally connect with my heart and connect with my own sense of authenticity mm. and vulnerability. I'm going to let whatever voice comes out, come out. And here's what I'm going to do. When I'm singing to that audience, here's one of the things. I did. That's one thing I did. Here's another thing. At the end of the night, for instance, we always close the show with biggest part of me. I would look for the person by themselves. I would look for the couple that were like looking down or embarrassed and didn't know how to loosen up. Hmm. I would look for somebody that that to me felt shy or didn't feel like they were being noticed. You could just see it. People wear it. Those were the people I went to. If I saw somebody that looked like they got all the attention in the world all the time, it's like my opinion was you get enough of that. (laughs) This is the person that needs the attention right now. And that's where I would go. And I would reach out to them and I'd hold their hand and I'd look in their eyes and I would sing to them with Mm. all my heart. That was my purpose. Mm. Fantastic. And that's my purpose. My purpose now is to encourage people to honor and respect what vulnerability really means, that through their vulnerability, they're going to find their true self and their true voice and their authenticity. Their voice will be better than ever. Their performances will be better than ever. And when you're in a state of purpose, when you're in a state of purpose, stage fright goes away. Because there is no what other people think of me. Yeah. There's how may I be of service mm, to the people who are here. Oh boy, just tremendous. There's nothing to be yeah, afraid of about. Just that. tremendous. It's not about you anymore, folks. This is why this is a two-part episode. Ken has given you gold. This is tremendous stuff that you're hearing here. Wow, wow. Thank you. Well, I do a workshop called um, Ready for the World, and Ready for the World. People think, okay, I'm going to come and Ken's going to show me how to hit these notes, but it's not about that at all. It's all about stripping down the stuff that you put up in front of the audience and yourself, which I I, I don't know why it's a gift because I've had to work on it and continue to work on it with myself. So when I see somebody else do it, I can identify it. And so when I work with my, my clients, it's normally like a group of 10 and that's what we do. They they perform, and we work through it together, and I give them feedback and direction. There's an earlier part of the event where I share a lot of information and get them involved, and then they perform, and they I give them feedback, and they perform again. And every single time, you watch somebody literally transform in front of you. Mm. And the walls come down, and their true self comes out, and you're mesmerized. And they walk away going, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> But it's a muscle. But here's the thing: it's a muscle, and you got to keep working. That's right. It, just that's like right. Every other aspect. That's, that's why Kenny instrument. Loggins, at age 73, is still doing what he's doing with Ken. You use the word "gift" in there. This interview with you, these two parts of this episode, have been an absolute gift. You've given a master class in these two parts that we've done. So I want to start heading into the home stretch here. You talked about coaching Kenny Loggins. We were just discussing stage fright being something that you would work on one-on-one with an artist. Uh, In terms of talking about the one-on-one vocal coaching that you offer, these different services, who can contact you about, say, vocal coaching, for example? What does that consist of? You know, Maybe who do you like working with in that context if it's just a a one-on-one vocal coach client? No, well, thank you for asking. The best way to reach me is, and I thank you for bringing it up earlier, there's a contact page 
on my website. So Ken Stacy, and that's C E Y Ken Stacy.com or www.kenstacy.com. <laughs> and there is a contact page there, and that's the best way to reach me. Um, clients, what kind of clients do I like to work with? I work with all kinds of clients, all ages of clients. I work with clients at the level of Kenny, all the way to clients who will never make a dollar as a singer. What I look for is devotion. What I look for is commitment. What I look for is somebody who recognizes the gift of singing and takes the work that I do with them very seriously. Shows up completely, is present, and when they go away from our lesson, they do their homework, they do their work. I don't, I, I, I'm very precious with my time. You said something earlier which was dead on, Bruce. I wear many hats. One moment I'm, you know, it's funny, I'm producing, I was just working with Claire today, working on a song on, on one of the tracks, recording and producing a vocal on her. Then uh, I had to very quickly write a bridge for a pitch for something that a very dear friend of mine and producer that reached out to me were pitching for for a, a major television show. Mm. I had to jump on that last night after coaching all day. I had to prepare for a, a performance that I have coming up in a couple of weeks. Wow. I had to go pick up my son from school. <laughs> I had to go take the dog to the park. I had to <laughs> So uh, all this to say, I'm incredibly precious with my time. So when somebody wants to work with me, I'm looking for somebody that is really dedicated. It's really all about that. Yes, of course, it's fun to work with people that have a, an amazing skill set and great with working with people that are out there working and making a living. Of course it is. That's great, too. But I will take novices as well, but it really depends. I have to see maturity. I have to see devotion. I have to see a certain level of talent. And and then we go from there. And I meet the, the client where they're at. Okay. Um, I'm not a one-size-fits-all coach or teacher. I teach very alchemistically. Each lesson, I listen, and I meet that vocalist where they're at that day because we are not machines. Mm. We are affected by emotions. We're affected by what we eat, how we sleep, everything going on in the world, all the things in our head, the noises in our head that we carry. I often spend time dis helping a client disengage from that noise mm. that gets in the way. And all of a sudden, they're hitting the note because the thing that was blocking them had nothing to do with technical wow. issues that had to do how they were relating wow. in that moment to singing or, or their voice or their or even whether or not they should be doing what they're doing. Yeah, if you play, you, I don't want to call it a therapist, but you <laughs> definitely, it's a mentorship. It's a mentorship. Wonderful. And it's a kinship because I go through it too. Yeah. I know what it feels like because I've been doing it for years and I still have to go through it. Wonderful. Because I'm human. So there are days when I'm very, very focused and I feel very strong and there are days that I'm tired and worn down and I, I'm far more fragile and I, I it's a lot harder to stay stay in a positive and, and affirmative place so I understand no that doubt that like. no doubt well we're going to close today with a song that Ken produced for an artist you heard him talk about earlier named Anastasia one called close the blinds Ken before I let you go and I play that track share just a little bit more you talked about it earlier but anything further that you want to add for the audience's benefit about this song itself as well as of course your work on it before I play it 
Oh, thank you. So, yeah, this is a song that my production partner and I, uh, David, sorry, Doug, Doug Petty, uh, produced together. And I will give credit, uh, all credit to Doug on the music side of things. He did a brilliant job producing and playing on this and bringing together an incredible group of musicians. Um, also, there's guitar work on there by Anastasia's boyfriend Chris who's a phenomenally accomplished guitarist. Mm. He did some beautiful work on the record. I handled all the vocals. I produced and arranged all the vocals. I recorded Anastasia. I coached her. I prepped her and we were meticulous. We It took us a long time to do the vocals. It didn't take that long to get the tracks done <laughs> but it took a long time because the vocals are everything. As majestic and beautiful and stunning as the musical track is on this song and you will hear it. Without that incredible vocal she delivered it wouldn't mean anything it's a stunning song she's a beautiful artist i want to see her successful i i want people to hear her because she has a very soulful spiritual empowering approach to her music she looks at the world in a very unique way and she has a very unique way in which she writes melodically and also her lyrical content is fascinating fascinating i love it so i hope you enjoy it and i hope you'll uh support her and uh buy her records <laughs> um, that's quite an endorsement and i gotta say this has just been a tremendous tremendous episode a two-parter obviously very special circumstances and very special content that you've heard ken talked throughout the interview about this posture of being in service about changing the position of being in service and I think that's what he just did for us I know that's what he just did for us over these two parts of this episode he's being in service to the music community he's being in service to the audience and I'm so so grateful for that Ken thank you ever so much for making time to be on Now Here This Entertainment you talked about all the hats that you wear and you gave us so much of your time it's so valuable and all the knowledge that you delivered so thank you ever so much my friend for being on the show it's my my pleasure, Bruce. Thank you. You've had an incredible show. I'm so honored to know you and our friendship. So honored that you asked me to be a part of this. So again, thank you. I'm deeply grateful. Absolutely. Absolutely. And with that, I will wrap up another new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to vocalist, songwriter, guitar player, producer, vocal arranger, artist mentor, and vocal coach, Ken Stacy. Do visit his official website at kenstacy.com. Again, I will have a link to it on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. Once you land on his website, look for the social media icons so you can engage with Ken on social media, being Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For that matter, tell Ken that you heard him and the music on Now Hear This Entertainment. He does also have music on Spotify as well. Remember that on kenstacy.com, there is a contact form in case you're wanting to get in touch with him about the various services that he provides, as you heard us talking about during this interview. As I mentioned in the first part of this interview, in addition to this show and all the speaking that I do, I do offer one-on-one -on -one help to podcasters, regardless of your location or your experience level. Beginner, intermediate, advanced, take advantage of my more than eight years doing this show every week by booking a private one-on-one -on -one online video consultation with me to get the help 
that you need for the show that you're doing or wanting to do. Simply write to podcast at nhte.net and let's roll up our sleeves together to provide whatever help you need, just like the other folks that I've been helping with their podcasting journey. And that will do it for episode 422. Thanks ever so much for listening. I'll send you out today with a song from Anastasia. This is the one that Ken just talked about. It's called Close the Blinds. i